step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Once again, ready to begin another edition of Covering the Bases. I'm your host, Alexander Garrett. If you didn't know already, this show is not only on Spreaker.com, but it's now being broadcast, once the podcast is done, on iHeartRadio.com. Just click the search bar, Alex Garrett's Air Checks, and you'll be right there. Now, what are the big news of the week? You know, I was kind of going with hard news or soft news. Because today's Mother's Day, you want to keep it light, you want to keep it relaxed. So we'll give you a bit of the history of Mother's Day and when it all started, in case you weren't aware of that. We'll talk about the feel-good story that is Michael Sam, the first ever openly gay NFL or player to be in the NFL. A draft pick out of Missouri waited quite a long time before he was drafted by the St. Louis Rams. We'll also talk about this 30th anniversary, and a lot of people are talking about the 50th anniversary of the World's Fair over in Flushing Meadows, or the 50th anniversary of the Beatles. But there's another interesting thing uh, that came out last week, and it's the 1984 National Organ Transplant Act. Uh, That's 30 years old this year. Uh, Basically saying it's a felony to provide any form of enrichment, meaning payment, for organ donors. Now, my question is, my question is, why should they need any, why should they need any more incentive than to save a life? So, those are my stories leading off, but let's first start off with Mother's Day. Obviously, hope you guys are having a beautiful, beautiful Mother's Day uh, with your family. It's such a beautiful day outside, almost 80 degrees in this tri-state area, and I tell you, I uh, got home after my late shift at the radio station, and, you know, Mom and I talked, and it was great to see Mom, and once again, another great Mother's Day. Love my mom, and I uh, hope you guys are celebrating with your moms as well. And so, basically, here's how the whole day started. It actually started back in 1908, May of 1908, so 
as I said, May, perfect time for Mother's Day to happen. And it happened May 1908 in a Methodist church where Ann Jarvis was teaching Sunday school in West Virginia at the Wanamaker's Department Store Auditorium in Philadelphia. So there's a bit of history. And, of course, her daughter, Anna, went to the event. And she sent 500 white carnations to decorate the West Virginia event because they were her mother's favorite flower. So over the next six years, Anna Jarvis campaigned to have this day for women recognized on a national level, writing numerous letters instructing supporters to wear that white carnation, take their mom to church, hold a family lunch, or at least write a letter home. And then, 1914, Congress makes Mother's Day an official holiday, thanks to Anna Jarvis, who, of course, would become a train wreck after she started seeing department stores. And who who wouldn't be offended by this? If you're working so hard to get a holiday started just for the sake of getting the holiday started. Let's face it, this isn't for commercial purposes. This is to honor the woman that's raised you from birth, is basically what it's been. doing and unfortunately or just the way of the times everything is now media and and commercialization so yeah I mean it's not a surprise she went off the rails when she realized hey guess what they're trying to make money off something that I created and I'm not I'm not having it so she ended up actually in a psychiatric ward after trying to undo what she worked six years to do. Uh, pretty impressive feat to get it done. And of course, a couple of years later, women would have the right to vote. So, in the 1910s, you could see women really coming to power. And then, of course, working for six years just to see something become an object of money making which it seems like if they can find anything to make money on they'll do it and once again Mother's Day not a surprise I mean let's all face it this day is not for proflowers.com it's not for uh, all these other different outlets you know Hallmark cards or whatever it's to be with your family to be with your mom to be with the one who's raised you since day one it's not to you know, it's nice to get them something, but you don't have to go over the top. Because they just want your love. And I just, I, I agree with Anna Jarvis going off the rails. I mean, if I were to try and get something done in Congress and work six years for it and just to see it commercialized, I would flip out too. So anyway, in case you didn't know, that's the history of this day. And what she basically wrote in the Miami Daily News in an interview in 1924, she said that the holiday was celebrated in the wrong spirit, that Mother's Day is a personal family and Memorial Day. It's a celebration for sons and daughters, a thanks and offering for the blessings of good homes. Commercialization of Mother's Day is growing every year. Since the movement has spread to all parts of the world, Many things have tried to attach themselves because of its success. And what meaning was the white carnation for Anna Jarvis? Well, 
Simply put, it was the emblem of Mother Day because it typifies the beauty, truth, and fidelity of motherly love. This emblem is used on the Mother's Day Association printed matter and official buttons, but it does not mean that people should wear a white carnation. The false idea has led to florists flagrantly boosting the price of white carnations for the Mother's Day trade. So you start with a little idea, passing out carnations, and then the bigger idea becomes a moneymaker, and obviously she wasn't in that in it for that at all. At all. And then of course there was the telegrams, you know, sending out to moms from afar happy Mother's Day. The sending of a wire is not sufficient, writing a just write a letter to your mom, no person is too busy to do this. Instead of telegraphing her as if you don't have any time for her. And I think this is the biggest message of all. Make Mother's Day a day of reunion. Messages to the absent and the spirit of goodwill to all. It's a constructive movement emphasizing the home as the highest inspiration of our individual and national lives. It's true. Home is where the heart is. And she's spot on with this. Mother's Day is a day of sentiment, not sentimentality. It's a day for everybody, but it's well-named Mother's Day for where better can sentiment start. And that is true. You, you get that first knowledge of love from your mom. That's plain and simple. You know, and sometimes people try and be tough, but at the end of the day... Who doesn't love their mom? She cooks. She possibly helps you with your laundry. And for me, she's kept me emotionally grounded and stable. And she's made sure I was okay. And she's worried about me. I still, I'm okay with that because if she's worried, then it means I'm doing something right. And I love her very much. And I'm sure she'll listen to this podcast once it's in the can later on in the show. And so I hope you guys are having a beautiful, beautiful Mother's Day with your friends and family. And yeah, there's a bit of history for you that if you didn't read the New York Post, well, now you sort of just got it spoon-fed for you right here on Spreaker.com. Now, want to quickly jump to the NFL draft. Obviously, Joe Torre making big news as well. His number will be retired. But Michael Sam making the biggest news of the weekend. Sam, of course, going to the St. Louis Rams on the Saturday. You know how prolific the Saturday used to be? I mean, I remember going to Yankee Stadium, seeing everybody in their Giants and Jet gear. Hey, who are the Giants drafting? Who are the Jets drafting? Oh, and by the way, the Yankees are on. But now, they made it in May. They've made it so, so irrelevant. I know a lot of people go, but the point is, who's going to set up at 8 p.m. and then go the next few rounds? That Saturday set up everything so well. So well. And now, this three-round thing... Although I will say over the last few years, the second and third rounds have been phenomenal. 
on the Friday and the Saturday. And um, like Geno Smith, I actually thought he left Radio City and left the city period last year after not being introduced or, or drafted right away. But no, he stayed and he was there with his with his mom, who was supporting him throughout the way. I mean, how many athletes, by the way, on this Mother's Day, how many athletes have you seen credit their mom? It's a special moment. You know, Shabazz Napier had his mom when the NCAA, when they won the NCAA tournament back in March. Derek Jeter's mom, always in attendance with her dad, with their, with his dad. I mean, sports families are tight-knit families. Even though these guys are big stars, they get it. They get that home is where the heart is. So, as I said, Geno Smith's mom was there. Even yesterday, Michael Sam was in the company of not his, not only his boyfriend, but his family, his mom, his dad. I mean, what a great moment for that whole family. And what a star I think the Rams are getting because he was, I told you, he was SEC Player of the Year at Missouri. And it's just a feel-good story all around. And by the way, in case you weren't aware, it happened in the final rounds of the draft. So in this three days, a lot can happen. And now, I know the Giants got a great wide receiver in Odell Beckham. Going to be a double threat with Victor Cruz this year. And of course, the Jets beefing up a bit on the uh, D-line. Uh, but the field goal story, the story that everybody's talking about aren't these local picks. It's actually with everything that went on with Michael Sam. Because we didn't know when he was going to get drafted, if he was going to get drafted. It was very up in the air for the last couple rounds. Then finally, the Rams just went to it. And everybody in the football circles didn't think of his sexuality. They just thought of, wow, what a great player we're getting here. It is interesting he went that late, but things are meant to be, I guess. And he's meant to be on the Rams where obviously they've been getting better. Uh, over the years with Sam Bradford dealing with injuries, but again, he's getting there. And so, it's just been a feel-good story of the weekend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Other big m mentions, I mean, the Niners get a wide receiver, Steve Johnson, from the Bills. A lot of trading up in this one. Johnny Menzel going to the Browns, which was the 22nd pick, which uh, was not surprising. I don't I don't know how good this kid's going to be for the NFL, for the Browns. Because, you know, right after he got drafted, boom, there he is popping the bottles, popping champagne, and having a great old time in the city. And he acted like his age. Let's put it that way. He acted like his age. And if you're a football player, if you're an older guy, you're going to say, listen, kid, you can't come in here all studded up and think you're going to succeed. You have to have some level of humility. And I hope I hope the Browns can teach him that 
over there in Cleveland. And I guess Wheaton wasn't doing it for him because now they're going to have Johnny Manziel ultimately probably going to be number one starter, if you think about it. And so a great weekend. And, and to continue on the feel-good stories, obviously, as I mentioned, the Yankees are retiring Joe Torrey's number upcoming this August, August 23rd. And it's a great moment. Some people say, well, you know, it wasn't really his team. It was Buck Showalter. It was G. Michael that orchestrated that team. Yes, G. Michael orchestrated it. But I, I think Tory knew where to put these guys in the lineup. He knew the rotation to go to. He knew who would get the ball in the shoe to start a pivotal playoff game, a pivotal World Series game. He just had that baseball mindset. And while he wasn't as revered early on, he certainly proved the critics wrong. And he had such a great staff. I mean, he had such an incredible staff. Don Zimmer, Mel Stottlemyre. I mean, all, all these guys were huge. Part of that run in the 90s. Stottlemyre, Zimmer. You know, and on the field, you had, of course, Derek Jeter was up and coming at that point, and Torrey really mentored him, and, and Jeter looked up to him. He always called him Mr. T. Never called him Joe. Never called him Torrey. He just called him Mr. Torrey. And he had that much respect for Joe Torrey, a guy that's won four rings, a guy that's making headlines every day as uh, an administrator now in Major League Baseball, the replay stuff has been questioned. But he's handled them pretty good, I think, all the questions he's gotten. And let's face it, it's a crazy system. But he's doing what I think is, he thinks is fair for the league. Now, personally, it's human error that, that it should be based on. But you know what? Replay probably could save a few teams down the stretch here. And if they utilize it properly... It could be a success. It's been a success everywhere else. Um, and, of course, Joe had Mariano. He had Wetland early on. He had such a great, great bullpen. He knew when to go with the lefty Stanton or Nelson, the fake to first, fake to third. I mean, all those 90s. The leg kick by El Duque. You know, all that. Posada, Williams, Tino. Tino, game one, 1998 World Series. Bam. Into the upper deck against the Padres. Then they were going to sweep the Padres to finish off an incredible year. And managers are the ones who make up the scorecards, the lineup cards. They know what they're doing. Now, am I surprised because the way he left wasn't as positive as it could have been? He wrote a book called The Yankee Years. And some of it was good. Some of it was showing the adversity he faced in the clubhouse. But he he knew how to win. Maybe towards the end, it just got a little sour between Tory and George Steinbrenner. But they just shared so much success. How many times did Tory make Steinbrenner cry on that platform holding the World Series trophy? And then I think 2001, you saw the age... Starting to kick in. Mariano wasn't Mariano. I know he's still young then, but then all of a sudden, he wasn't as good. And then 2004 comes around. 
and they just they tried to get the power guys and they weren't winning with the basics that Tory had which was basically the core four a great trade in Paul O'Neill a great pickup in Tino Luis Soho also off the bench you know Shane Spencer for and Chad Curtis uh, huge pickups pickups as well uh, Bernie as I mentioned just all of them helped get the Yankees to where they were and you know it was it was just a magical formula that worked year after year and I think this is a well-deserving honor and then of course you're going to see Jeter's retired maybe even like they did Mariano they retired Mariano's like that at the end of this past uh, 2013 season so maybe at the end of this year final home game they will retire it and say no one else will wear this number which would have one Billy Martin, two Jeter, three Babe, four Gehrig, five DiMaggio, six Tory, seven Mantle, two eights Bill Dickian, and of course Yogi, a nine. And was Maris's number retired? I think it was actually, because obviously he hit the home runs. Ten in Rizzuto. No 11. And that was another big factor. You know, Knobloch was a bit of a interesting case sometimes. He would he didn't play through as well as should have against Cleveland, but he was a solid, scrappy leadoff hitter or second hitter, table setter, if you will, for that Yankee lineup. 12. Well, Wade Boggs had that number for a bit. Uh, 13 era. Uh, but back to the retired numbers. Then you had... 16 Whitey, 23 Mattingly, 44 Jackson, 49 Gidry. By the way, it's interesting because Reggie wasn't a pure Yankee. He just came in here and did what he did, but he was a big, he was the, one of the big first free agent signings that ever had success anywhere. And that really changed the game. And then you look at the other guys who were sort of true Yankees. 49 Gidry, 23 Mattingly, Mantle, number seven. Uh, I mean, those are those are the Yankees, the pride of the Yankees, uh, the guys who came up through the system, and were there and worked their tails off to make this team a success. And Joe Torre was a transplant. Yes, he was actually not looked at as a success before I got here. But then, if you win one championship or two, you start to win the hearts of New York City. And that guy did. Joe Torre definitely won the hearts of New York City. Game in and game out, whether it was a hot summer day, a chilly fall night, you knew basically if you're going to the ballpark in the 90s, you or, or a chilly spring night, you might see a Yankee win. Because they just had that talent they had that staff managing the team. Tremendous discipline, tremendous respect. That's the other thing that Torrey did. He commanded respect, it seems like. So that, that's very tough to do as a coach. Sometimes players nowadays think they're better than the coach. And sometimes they have a say in who is coaching the team. So if you can be a coach that commands respect game in and game out, hats off 
to you. Hats off to you. And so those are the two big stories of the day. By the way, California Chrome last week winning it at Churchill Downs. And now he looks to win the second ring uh, round of the Triple Crown. We'll see if he does it next week at the Preakness. Good old Pimlico. And uh, that should be exciting. So, Tory's number retired. Michael Sam drafted. Busy weekend in New York City. Oh, and by the way, there is a hockey game tonight. The Rangers looking to stave off elimination once again on their home ice. They're down three games to two. Pittsburgh could put it away at the Garden, but if not, then the Rangers have a pretty darn good shot of coming back in the series. I mean, they let the Flyers come back in and stopped them. This time it'll be a little different if they could come back and come back on the Penguins and stop them. Uh, And it seems like an evenly matched series at times because both teams are skating hard. They're playing hard. You know, the Rangers haven't had much luck on the power play, but they shot on uh, Flurry pretty good the other night. And we'll see if they can do it tonight as well. So there's your mini sports recap. I'm going very light today because it is Mother's Day because it's a light day. It's a nice sunny day. Don't want to bring you down with whatever hardships are going on in the world uh, because that's just not my style. Sometimes it is. Sometimes if something really gets me going like this next topic, I will dig in, dig in and, and go for it. But I just don't see the need. Because today's a very relaxing Sunday, middle of the day, Mother's Day. Hope you guys are having a great one. A holiday founded in 1914, recognized by the Congress, then founded actually in 1908 in May. And then finally recognized after a six-year battle in 1914. But now I want to go to the most interesting uh, story here on the docket, I guess. About the lack of donors to save people's lives. Now, kidneys, one aspect. There are a bunch of eye donors as well. And basically, they're saying you can't help donors. Um, you, You can't basically fund them, it sounds like. You can't pay them because apparently the 1984 National Organ Transplant Act says so. And in 2009, there was a poll that said the American Society of Transplant Surgeons revealed that 80% supported provision of tax credits for donors. But they're saying, no, no, no credits, no money for donors. But my question is, on a day when we're talking about keeping lives going, bringing lives into the world, that's what moms do. That's what women do. They bring new hope and new light into the world by giving birth. Why don't we talk about why people need to save some who have had troubles throughout their life trying to get through without a kidney or without a working liver or... or Whatever the case the case may be, 
Why should they have to be compensated when the biggest reward is they're saving a life? I mean, every day you see in the subway, all these eye donors are so happy they donated their eyes. I mean, posthumously. But uh, they're recognized. So why why should people get tax credits or get extra funding to just to, to donate a kidney? I know they're taking a part of them out, but if they can survive on that one kidney, or they can survive on a well, liver is tough to do when you're alive. <laughs> but the the organs that you can give off. While you're still alive, if you can survive on that one, then you should be able to do it without wanting something more. I think saving a life is the best thing you can do if you're in the position to do it. You shouldn't have to rely on somebody to give you tax credits or extra money to donate. You should just donate for the sake of donating. So, I mean, I kind of applaud this act. Which, by the way, Al Gore was a lead sponsor for. And he actually did it when he learned that one of a Virginia physician, H. Barry Jacobs, was planning to recruit people from poor countries, fly them in here to the United States, and pay them for one of their kidneys while connect, collecting a brokerage fee of 2000 $5,000 from patients in need. And so basically he would charge the patients to take the kidney. But why? That doesn't make sense either. And what, you would pay off the people that lent them that? No, no, no. It should be, I give you my kidney... I give you this organ and know that you will be okay. And that is the greatest reward to save a life. Because Lord knows there are a lot of people out there working to continue to save lives and there shouldn't be extra motivation to continue to save. At any rate, next week we'll be back on track with some interesting news. There's always news popping up in this world, isn't there? It's great. To follow the new cycle. But for now. I'm Alexander Garrett. And this edition. Of Covering the Bases. Has been signed. Sealed. And delivered. Into the archives. Of Spreaker.com. Have a great Mother's Day everybody.